What's up, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Certifiable Podcast. I'm just a guy who works here at Certifiable, and I'm surrounded right now by other guys who work here at Certifiable. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves clockwise. Uh, I'm Rick, and uh, do I need to say anything? <laughs> yeah, no. You're leading the way. I'm Jesse. Tell <laughs> the people what you do here, Rick. I do everything that's not creative. I'll leave that to these guys. Right. Jesse, I do everything. It's not, not creative. <laughs> I do nothing that is business. <laughs> I don't know. You talked pretty good numbers the other day. When you, I pulled all those out my butt. <laughs> you're, in there, you're in your office going, what? That's not accurate at all. That was great. And I'm Anthony, and I might be easy to list what I don't do. There we go. So, so go ahead, list them. <laughs> He's like, I do what most of those guys. I don't, I don't think there's anything that you don't do. <laughs> I do everything Rick does and everything Jesse does. I don't even need them. If, if you guys are familiar with Certifiable Studios, uh, then you know that we are a board game, card game, tabletop game company uh, out of Richland, Mississippi, and pretty much one of the only gaming companies in Mississippi, as far as I know. There might be some... I, I imagine that, as far as an, a full-up company, I think we are. Right. Uh, I'm sure that there are a lot of dreamers that are doing some really great some things that we just don't know about. Yeah, right on. But we thought this might be a lot of fun for you guys who've been a part of us for so long, and some of the new people who are coming on just with this podcast, to find out how Certifiable got started, how we came to be. And so I thought, what better way than to bring around the guys who started it all and I kind of want to start with Rick and Jesse because you guys had the idea together. Jesse, how did you come to know Rick? I think I think Rick actually made this more interesting of a story than me because when we talked uh, the other day about going over what Q&A might be asked, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what a boring question. And then Rick kind of shined a little light on it. I was like, I guess that is more of an entertaining uh, thing because it's, it's weird because my, I... It's funny, I, when I think of the start of Certifiable, it indefinitely dates back to Anthony and my origin. and then But then that ties directly to Rick and myself and our origin. It's just a weird, it's a beautiful combination. But Rick, if you would uh, make that a little more entertaining than I possibly can <laughs> of how it started, as opposed to just a boy in his dream. Well, so when I started the original company, um, which was Sights and Sounds turned Ivox. The dream was always to... Um, gotta, my cough is going to come in now. You're right. <coughs> dream was always to make product, entertainment, documentaries, movies. and But in Mississippi, it's a real challenge. We, don't have the, we didn't have the equipment. We didn't have uh, everything that it took to make movies. So I had to make a decision... To, to start it from an equipment base, which actually made me start to have to um, find clients, reasons to pay for it, which made me do everything but what I wanted set out to do, which right. is movies and, and whatnot. Uh, then I hired Opie, uh, Opie Cooper, who was one of the original certifiable members, who uh, just brought a, a, an amazing amount of creativity and really, energy. really, you know, the energy that really got us kind of back on track to say, hey, let's, what is this entertainment thing that we wanted to do? And um, so then we started concepting some things together. And he said, what we really need, if we're ever going to get this sold, we need great concept art. 
I happen to know the guy. Mm-hmm. He's in Dallas right now, but let's just bring him over. So so he made the phone call. Jesse came in, uh, I think, really for a weekend at first. And then we Maybe. decided to yeah, make it Yeah, I remember it, it, was a, it was a shift. I just remember because we had lived in the think tank over at Audubon's. I know, but I mean, as far as the original introduction, I think it was just a, hey, let's, let's just kind of get this thing going. But there was this product called... What was it? Uh, way too Beetle Dubby and the Beetle Dubby, way, way too, too fluffy, fluffy and the something something a fuzzy white balls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a much longer name than uh, a lifespan, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he came over and he worked on that concept art for months and months, so that we could pitch it to LA. Uh, go out there and you know bring you know put every all of our dreams into a satchel and go yeah. out there and 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 pitch all of you know, with all of our gusto, and uh, unfortunately, it just... It's nothing you know. that you see on TV. You know, you picture uh, going to a board and having guys in suits on the other side, and you give them the idea, and they stand up and shake your hand and say, well, Mr. Moore, we'll be in touch. This is amazing. It was nothing like that. It was right. it was nothing like you see there, even if it would have been amazing. It's not most, that quick. There's steps and stages, and you come back, and it was just kind of tiresome, really. The yeah. most we got out of it was really fun stories, like being pulled over... Uh, yeah, um, singing karaoke. karaoke. <laughs> but it was, you know, what we, if anything, uh, that I've got out of both our relationship and Anthony and my relationship is definitely uh, the connections that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Connections that we now have today that there's no way totally. younger version of me would have ever believed we'd have had in our cell phones. And that, and that to me is the really cool part. People we've met at cons and people we've met on uh, going doing pitches are just but, amazing. But, I mean, it wasn't just that one pitch. I mean, we, we went out there over and over and ended up with quite a nice book of what I still consider to be great concepts, great art. Of course, every time I mention it to Jesse, he just cringes because he, (laughs) if he drew it more than two days ago, it sucks in his mind. And, and of course I'm thinking I'm sitting on a gold mine. I mean, it's just, as soon as something happens, (laughs) I mean, we can just start releasing and releasing and, and we haven't failed at all. This is just in queue, and uh, and then, but we did that for a number of years, probably what years, six or seven six years, years. And, right. and then it just got to we started to read the writing on the wall, and 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 I think Jesse was like, "What else do you want me to draw that'll never see the light of day?" Sure, and uh, so we ended up parting ways. Well, yeah, we were in a, just a, a discouraging position because. Uh, I call it the, you know, the now what factor. And mm-hmm. we hit it every single time. We knew what we could do what we could do. And then we hit the now what? You know, I got an idea. Now what? Let's do the artwork. Now what? Let's, you know, get it edited. Now what? Let's send it off and make it a book so we have it. We got it. Now what? I don't know. Yeah. We hit that every project we came up. At some point, we'd hit a now what, and we didn't have the answer to it. And Well, I mean, because especially for this small company in Mississippi, we... In order to put all of this money and effort and time into something, and then realizing that it was out of our control if anybody ever saw it, yeah. So, so it was a sad day, but Jesse and I ended up saying, "Okay, look, you can do your thing. I'm going to do my thing." And I was still doing the production and advertising agency stuff. And then, about a year later, I get told about this book called Barona's War, and mm-hmm. there's a signing out at Books a Million, or I think it was Books a Million, it might have been. Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble. Noble. And um, 
and I just remember, and I'll let you tell the story about how that happened, but I go out there, and it was just one of those, why, I, I, was, the, I was the problem. Mm-hmm. I was the reason why, I mean, I was what was keeping Jesse from being successful, because this was just a great book series. I don't think that's what it was. I think that's you, what I'm not, you I, would no, dream no. big, and I dream Obviously, small. Obviously, I'm never a problem. Right, <laughs> clearly. I mean, but but I want you to know, but but when it, you, you think about the dreams that I had about trying to get it finished, you mm-hmm. know, because that's been your thing that you've preached forever. It's like, you know, you... You, you, nothing is you might as well not start it if you don't finish it you're going to finish it and y'all did and then that's when I was introduced to Anthony's work and how that all worked out and 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 it just I just didn't have the right formula yeah. um and well, or now or what now is I think I think that was literally it is our, our our the now what factor uh was different because if we wanted to get something pipe dreaming and naive, you know, on the big screen, mm-hmm. there were several, well, now what, that we're going to hit before we could ever get there. And we just did, we were out of control of that. So if our now what was, I just want to get a book and sell it at conventions. Everything from start to finish is something we 100% had control of. And up to that point, I never had control of that. We just, the, he would dream big, too big, and I would dream too small. And it just, we couldn't figure out how to get on that path. And, uh, it was just a matter of scaling back and saying, okay, let's be realistic. Let's not. But even when we tried to scale our dreams back to a manageable, they, even those seemed. Yeah, it was out of our I mean, grasp. We would get excited about it and then ended up, that would be too big. Mm-hmm. And, so we started uh, off so, with so small. Actually getting, seeing that book and realizing what you guys did, well, I was just in awe over and just so proud of you guys, but also a little jealous because I wasn't. I mean, it, you it, it was it. it was kind of a it was kind of an eye opener for me, and um, but you know I bought my copy, got him to sign it for me, and 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 wished him all the best, and 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 then that's you know, but I mean, I'll let you back up to yeah. Let's, how let's that talk a bit about started. Barona's War because that is definitely that's our start. You and Anthony, that's mm-hmm. that's your start together. Well, I called Anthony, and it had been. I'm guessing I, I tried to do the math. It years, and it was mm-hmm. an out the Anthony and I. We're at the Art Institute. And seven years. Yeah. Was it that long in between? Because we didn't start until like 2008-ish. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay, so Anthony and I went to college together, or the Institute, and we hung out in the same clique. And we were friends, but we weren't buddies. You know, we, we were just, in, we were in the, the same clique. Right. And we were both talented guys in that clique and I think that's was what gravitate you know what brought me to him and uh just admiring character design I think mainly and uh fast forward past art institute I wanted to do something and and I I think it was after the you know also I wasn't with Ivox anymore but I just it was I could not create not want to do but I was dreaming small and I wanted to do a comic-con and um Every time, anytime, usually in illustrators, especially myself, is around other illustrators, you do that thing where it makes you want to draw and you, you like get excited. And I remember going to my first con and it had the absolute opposite effect where these guys were half my age and twice as good. And I just, I was thinking, what is the point? Because as mm-hmm. long as these people exist, there's no point for me to do anything. And I just kind of got that out of my head come the next year and I'm watching. And, and now I'm looking at, 
and I'm analyzing, okay, this guy's better than me, but you know what? He's not, he's not, he is. He's not, he's not. But I'm like, but they're selling. I could do this, but I didn't have the balls to do it by myself. So I was like, who's the talented guy I know? You know what? I'll call up Anthony, who, by the way, we haven't talked to him forever. We were never that good of friends and say, hey, let's do a con together. And it was, I remember him saying something like, don't you have to be somebody to do that? I'm like, but they want no. Yeah. <laughs> They'll have no idea we're nobody because I remember going up to, you know, like Mark Brooks and thinking, and this guy was badass. And I didn't know that's who it was. You know, Scotty Young, I didn't know that's who he was. I just, yeah. it wasn't until I looked at his work. And I'm like, oh, you're that guy. You're this one guy who did this one comic I know. So I'm like, and I'd, I'd be looking at people's names afterwards. And, uh, but I remember telling Anthony, we could fool them all. You know, <laughs> pull them into thinking we're somebody. And that's exactly what we did. That We went to our first con, <laughs> as green as could be, having no idea what to sell our, our stuff for. We didn't know what to bring. We were the, the biggest amateurs there, but we did okay. And more importantly, we had a blast. I remember the sketchbooks. In yeah. fact, I've still got them. <laughs> yeah, we had a blast. And um, then I think the, the next, then all of a sudden we got bit by the bug and we started wanting to do it and we started building a fan base and it was really cool. Well, we would get several times, me and Anthony would always sit next to each other and we would goof around and drawing stupid stuff together and and then all of a sudden our styles, and Anthony gets more credit than this, he started mesh, matching mine and uh, we ended up saying, let's, we kept on getting questioned, y'all need to do something together, do something together and finally we said, let's do a calendar and the way it was going to work is we was going to do every other month, like January be me, February be him and so forth, but every month it was a big circle of life that each month, the previous month, would tie in. So, like, one of them was uh, Mount Crushmore was this giant mountain. And then mine was these little rock mites that ate the mountain. Mm -hmm. But then he did the birds that ate the rock mites that ate the mountain. You know, and that was the whole thing. <laughs> right. Well, sure enough, come February, you know, we had, or, or whatever, one, one, I think one of the later ones, it might have been hell October, come, um, and when that, when that date came up, we had developed what is now known as the Elialta and the Crapones. I did the Crapones and he did the Elialta, and there they were in this calendar. And they just, it's that thing where you can't describe it, but you feel something. It was like that instant, okay, th there's something to these guys. And we ended up scrapping the entire calendar idea and said, and again, ignorant and naive as we were, we were in Chicago and we said, let's have a book by next Chicago. <laughs> we had one year. Mm -hmm. Not to get it done, but to do everything, to do character design, to do the layout, to, I mean, get it printed, get it sent over. We got the books for like two days before the con. We're like, oh my God, we sent off and we're waiting. And we had never done anything like this before. And, you know, we're waiting for like, you know, what, 500 copies or 1,000 copies, whatever it was to get shipped to us. And here's the con approaching. It's approaching. And we're like, we have, we've only worked on that all year. We had nothing to bring to the con that we've already signed up for. We already bought the tickets and everything in Chicago. And here it is, like two days before they, the shipment comes in, and I'm carrying these boxes up and down the stairs. And, uh, but we, it was that proud moment. We ended up going there, and I remember thinking a thousand books. And I, and I remember that popping in my head. I remember telling you, Anthony, you realize. If even if you know we, we might sell twenty of these, but even if we sold forty, we'll still have nine hundred sixty books to yep. sell. And I wanted to throw up. I was like, "This, oh my god, this is awful." But what I wasn't thinking is, 
we don't have to sell all thousand. We just sell a quarter of them because then we make our money back and then the rest of them is pure profit. And you know, it's just, it was an overwhelming amount. Well, we ended up doing really well during Chicago. And then when we got back, we did a signing over at uh, Barnes and Noble. And I was paranoid that we'd be that, you know, uh, 45 year old lady sitting there at the table, right. you know, and you walk in, she's like, Hey, and you walk yeah. by her cause you don't really care about, you know, <laughs> homebrew cooking for your children books she came up with. And I didn't want to be that. So we had invited a bunch of our friends and that crowd formed a bigger crowd. And I remember Barnes and Noble ended up staying open later because we had such a crowd and we ended up doing really well. Well, within, cause our purpose of this book was not to publish it. It was literally just to have something at our tables. And, um, within, it was within a month after doing that, we got, uh, offers from like Baker and Taylor and Ingram publishing Barnes and Noble publishing, you know, because I guess they put in their computer and it went out. And, and, uh, so we ended up, uh, getting it published. And that was kind of just the beginning of, we ended up started going everywhere and, and all over the U.S. Uh, to push it. And that kind of was, that opened the door. That's what got us in places we just never thought we'd be dealing with. So, And from Barona's War of the Books, it then went into the board game. Yeah, well, I had been into board games my entire life. Before, I just, you, before you go there, though, I want to, I want, what I'm so amazed about with Barona isn't the result. It's the process. I mean, because you lived... In Dallas. You were still in Dallas. 300 miles away. I was was still in Dallas. And, And, I mean, so you're here. You're there. Mm -hmm. And you're creating basically things that I'm just so in awe over, but from so far away. And, you know, I mean, I want to hear a little bit about that. Well, Anthony, again, had more of the burden. Uh, He was exhausted, and it was not fun. I I could feel it. because he was doing soccer, and then he still had a full-time job. I was working at the sleep clinic, so my hours were phenomenal. Uh, so I was able to work on it at work and then after work, and I was excited about it, and I'm sure that went into it. And Anthony, after X amount of months, was just kind of done because he was staying up until... Yeah, I'd go to work all day and then stay up till like, 2 in the morning and on this, an early night. And that's, yeah, and that's wasn't once or twice a week. That was... But, I mean, but how did, how did that work, though? I mean, what well, was a lot process? of Skype. A whole lot yeah, of Skype. a lot Skype. of Skype, a lot of back and forth. Uh, you know, we'd sketch out the things we weren't drawing to show the other, how we wanted the, the layout to look. It's like I'd tell them, okay, I, I need a pack of Crapones here. They need to be crawling all over this guy that's fighting them. Here's the rough, you know, kind of fill in the areas and rough it out before we clean it up so that way you know where the lines are all going to meet and stuff like that. Um, and the rules of the book was Anthony drew oh, the, yeah. uh, the Elialta. I would never, it's against the rules that I could ever draw his race. I drew the Crapones. He never drew those. And depending on whose side of Amity, Amity being the island, no, Barona was the island. Yeah. Uh, Amity was what they were fighting over. Um, but depending on whose side of the island would be the person who drew that environment or whose story idea was. So, like, for example, Anthony had one where it was these <clears throat> zombie slayers. Well, the Crapones were the zombies, so I'd have to draw all those. But Anthony drew the slayers and the environment. So he laid out the story, and it's, he'd slowly start putting it together. <clears throat> but he would almost do either X's or circles or whatever where my guys would go. Then he'd send that rough over to me. I'd rough it a little bit, send it back to him, and then it would start coming together. And now... Depending on who was doing it, only one of us would color, because the color styles are fairly different, but he would color now my then ink 
very cleaned up Crapone mm-hmm. on top of his guys attacking him or whatever because it went up was a severed head flying across the screen but it was still I had it to draw that head, severed head and yeah. he would draw that thing but that's one of uh, the two best images I think we did that showcases that is Without Perfection uh, which is in Cavalier Tales is the two uh, an Ilialta Alta and a Crapone fighting they're each on on the backs of uh, their beasts one of them like a horse and one of them like a bear-esque type characters and they're engaged in combat, and to look at that image, it's one of those that still impresses me today. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those that, ah, you know, uh, but you look at it, and you're like, holy crap, that looks like one person drew that. And then the, the other one that's just impressive is the zombie one with the big brute, and he has like 15 guys covering him. Yeah. And it's two different guys. I'm like, that's, that's kind of neat. But that was uh, a task. Uh, but, at, you know, after the first book, by the time we were into Fight for Amity, we had that stuff down packed. It yeah, was sure. our work got quicker and quicker, and all of a sudden it went from these shapes we draw to X's to dots to here. Just put your guys in there, and we 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 could completely fill out each other's thought process, where we were going with it. Oh, I see what you're doing, and it was all of a sudden it was like butter. You know, it just it, it was easy, easy, easy. And then when you go to the cons, you're saying people will say, okay, so which one's you oh, the writer and no, which one is the well, Yeah, which one's the artist. writer, which one we'd both raise our hand, you know. And, <laughs> right. and, uh, but it was, it was we, we had a really fun fan base uh, that would travel, and it was just astonishing they'd come. And they, they, that group of seven that came from Canada, yeah. and they did it three years in a row. Mm-hmm. And when they found out Cavalry Tales was coming out, it was just that weird thing. We're like, holy crap, that's awesome. Guy in Australia ended up buying it and sending me a, a letter saying how awesome it was. And it was just really, it was really, really neat. Yeah. This was with Arcadia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Arcadia. Well, Cavalry Tales wasn't. They didn't, they were scared of that one because it was more words than pictures. But we wanted to take the risk, so we just spent more money to make that okay. one. And uh, so now we have the three editions, or three, uh, Volume 1, first and second edition. Volume 2, just first edition, I think. And then Cavalry Tales. Which was con exclusive. Yes. And now if... That was self-published. Yeah, yeah. If we release what we'd like to do, it'd be, I guess, a third edition of the first book, second edition of the second book, and then first, technically, first edition of Cavalry Tales, but we want to swap some stuff around in there. And then I would love uh, for Brent to be able to sink his teeth into, because Cavalry Tales is just short stories uh, with one or two images per story. And I would love right. Brent to get involved in that type of stuff yeah, where we you had, release the four books. You had Brent Hearn, who now works at Certifiable. You had Brett Kenyon, mm-hmm. uh, who is a freelance writer, and Jackson, and both contribute, Opie. and Opie, uh, all contribute to these books. So the books came first, but then as, as we were hinting, and Rick, that was a good point that you brought up to try and find out more about them, how did the board game come into existence? Uh, the original? Yeah. Well, because it wasn't really a Barona. The Barona board game was something I did because I'd always wanted to dabble in them. Right. Um, I had worked on uh, the first time I got contacted uh, to do a board game. I was head over heels because I, I've always wanted to, you know, since the 80s. Right. And um, it was just a bad experience. Uh, it was too many cooks in the kitchen, and I wasn't doing my game where someone was saying you finish it and and we'll sponsor it it was they were i was still kind of working for them so even if i thought better of it it wasn't really my choice they gave me just enough choice to make it feel like it's mine but enough to make me ashamed of certain things and and so when that got released um ended up going and starting as a fanboy of a publisher that contacted me and i was just 
I would have worked for free. I was so excited about it. Right. Had to take a step back and say, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to be a year down the line regretting this. And then, uh, you know, so I started getting contacted and then that was the opportunity over in Canada, but I would have, I was teetering moving and I was supposed to be the, their head over there. And I was, your whole job is creating, you know, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know, everything you do, I love it, blah, 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 blah. And it got scary because that was a big commitment. And, uh, that's kind of how the whole thing started. I, I remember going up to Rick because he didn't have a dog in the fight. And right. I was saying, here's what I'm facing. This is not my world. Uh, I don't want to do something dumb. And then he was asking the right questions and it was a Q and a, and a real heart to heart between he and I, where it just, the next smart move was, you know what, maybe I can still be in control and mm -hmm. not be dicked over, you know, because now we're, we're 50, 50. And that's kind of, I mean, that was kind of the beginning of it. So board games was just a natural transition to me. Yeah. Uh, I, like most illustrators, you know, when, when you make music, you could listen to it afterwards and you can enjoy it. You could dance to it. You could, you know, work out to it. And, and, you know, if, if you build cars, you could race it, you know, it's like anything there's, there is a payoff with art. When I design a character, you can't do anything with it. You can just look at it. And I wanted to interact with characters we were creating. I wanted to play with them and a tabletop just seemed so next just common sense of the next step. I made this guy. Now, what could I do? You know what? Now I'm going to use him to, to, you know, hold this, this line of bad guys off. And meanwhile, this is going to happen. This going to, and all of a sudden it's like, that's, it just, it's was the natural next step. And I felt that years ago. So it was just, I've always been excited about tabletopping because of that. And the yeah. thing that I got excited about. Yeah. That's what I was, was going to ask. Uh, because I'm not the gamer of the group. Yeah. I, you know, I like very traditional stuff. Not a lot of depth in what I play, typically. Even though I mean, I, I absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the biggest who goes there fan out there. I love who goes there, right? And that's I don't know where that would be on a level side, but I'm just I'm a huge fan of that. Um, but one of the things that really attracted me, so so Jesse and I kind of was talking because he was talking about possibly moving to Canada. Um, looking at the pluses and minuses of the, of the goods and the bads, because, you know, he and I had a, um, we weren't really working regularly together. And I mean, we, and I always considered him a friend and, and, but I always had a certain level of guilt because a lot of blood, sweat and tears in, in projects that never saw the light of day. Right. And, um, and I, so I kind of had this, you know, because I mean, when you're sitting there looking at, even like Fuzzy Wide Falls, I think on if we had actually gotten that produced, it probably would have had to have a hundred million dollar budget, and that's just I mean, so we could never imagine doing that on our own. And we should tell the people that you know when you guys were going out to L.A., you weren't pitching to small movie. No, houses. we were pitching you to Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Sony, Sony. Yeah, exactly. Um, These were big. Houses, these were big productions that you right. were we had to connections. Them. It just at some point it just didn't matter, you yeah. know, because it, it, it was even it, some of our best pitches would end in love it. This is awesome. Matter of fact, we've got something that's really similar already in queue, so we're gonna have to pass on it. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, everything was building us up to thinking, okay, this is it, this is it, this is it, <laughs> and then it went away, yeah, and. Uh, and then, of course, we had a certain level of par or I did a paranoia. It's like, okay, I wonder if they really had this in the pipe, or if we just gave right. them the idea, 
Um, and then this is kind of interesting, like Fuzzy Wad Falls is one of those. We'd go out there and pitch it. And and that was, what, 2005? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And then four years later, this small little movie called Avatar <laughs> comes out. And I'm looking at the environment that James Cameron. And we're like, what? Uh, we were looking at James Cameron. I mean, the trailer came out and we're like, holy crap. So we had, we had That's Fuzzy art. Wad Falls. We had concept art that was like mirror image. Now, of course, it's a floating island. It's not, this is not a new concept, but it was still but, with that annoying right. thing. You're seeing what you want to at that point. Those <laughs> bastards! You know? <laughs> so, but, but one of the things that really was, in, and I was really, I wanted to be careful. I, I think that I went overboard in trying to not do what I wanted to do, which is, which was like, I want to do this with you, Jesse. I mean, this right. is exciting. But the reason why it was exciting is because it was such a manageable thing. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, print assets and things that we could actually, I mean, with his talent. And I mean, I'm, so I'm thinking to myself, finally, without having to commit else. every asset that I've ever imagined and then still have to borrow another 20 times that to do anything. This is something that even if it only sold one or two or ten copies, I mean, it's still something that we could actually hold. Yeah. And um, so luckily the conversation <clears throat> continued and, and it seemed to, you know, but but even from that point, because some of the things that um, that Jesse had issues with, with his first board game issue was too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, I am absolutely guilty of that historically. Uh, and that was one of the things that's like, and, and that's one of the reasons why the sign in here is like, do it for yourself. You know, at least at the end of the day, you know, you're going to like it. Right. Um, and I never really got that. I was the guy that, I mean, I'm just thinking, how do I get it on big retail shelves? I want to sell. I mean, it. I wanted to be a mass sellout on everything we did because it was more about selling and generating the, um, the the fan base, but also, I mean, I didn't want to be a popular hobby game. I wanted it to be, you know, Hasbro. Right. And, but going into certifiable, you know, my whole thing is like, look, Jesse, this is 100% your show. I'm going to say, hey, what if? And and he does give me the courtesy of listening to that as often as he can from a, just a respect side of things. But, but, but I was the guy, 10, 15 years ago, oh, this is great. I love it, love it. But it was, a focus, it was the focus group thing. That yeah, was real I mean, bad. and then and you then, mind if we bring so and so into? I want to ask him a couple. I'm like, who is this again? My next door neighbor's neighbor. I want to ask. Uh, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have. I didn't have enough friends to, to, to burden you with that. But I did want everybody to have buy-in. It was a, it was my my issue. It was my mistake. I wanted is I was thinking, oh, but I mean, if if you like it, then somebody else will like it, and then Jesse is having to change things. So I was guilty as charged. Um, so, but coming back into the certifiable world, it was. I mean, I think that our lines were a lot more clear. I'll handle the business side. I will handle everything that is traditionally a left brain. Right. Yeah. No, left. No, sorry, um, yeah. <laughs> left brain side of things. And but I will I will never make him change anything that he doesn't want to change. Yeah. Now I think that there are a few things he was like, ah, you know what? I really don't want to change it, but 
it's not going to kill me to change it this time. So he's given me some of those, but, but that's one of the things that I've, I've, I walk in every day trying to honor that. Mm-hmm. And, and that same thing with, with Anthony, you know, because I burden his door every day. I mean, I mean, he's, he's got his back to the door and it gets dark and he's like, Oh crap, here's Rick. <laughs> and he starts shutting his monitor, <laughs> everything off. And now, you, sides. you were still in Dallas. All this is going on. You're working at a, not a production house, but an art house. Uh, it was a, a software company so- that created, um, a reading program for for children in okay. schools. How how did they pitch you to come here? Well, we're not even there yet. Oh, are we not? We have a yeah. time limit on this. Oh, geez. Okay. No, yeah, we're yeah. good. Yeah, let's go. Because one of my favorite <laughs> pieces. What? <laughs> Back uh, in seventeen forty two. No, I'm telling you, I'm I'm. It just it just the 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 stupidity. That I would bring to the table. <laughs> carry so, on, Rick. Carry on. <laughs> now, Opie, now you have his attention. <laughs> so number one is 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 Jesse did have a bad experience his first time with with a game. Or so because of that, Kickstarter was off the radar. Yeah. Nope. No chance in hell. Kickstarter not going to happen. So the first what six to eight months, we spent a lot of money and time and effort. Trying to figure out how to go direct retail. These nobodies, stupid. But that didn't matter. But finally, we ended up committing and and realizing that Kickstarter might be the way to go. Well, the the certifiable was started based on a game called Ashtabone, mm-hmm. which hasn't yet seen the light of <laughs> which day. Which has yet to see the light of day. Yeah. Well, the reason why it hasn't seen the light of day is because when it was just, I mean, Jesse is one hundred percent. The creative, he's everything to the game. I mean, basically, hey, I'm going to put everything I can into this piece of work. I said, okay, that's great. I mean, I'm I'm on board. I mean, I'm a fan of yours anyway. Uh, how long will it take? He said, well, if I don't work on anything else, fifteen months. Oh, and then that's just to get the game done. And then right. there's probably another year to get it circulated. And so, so my commitment was making sure that Jesse ate. Right. And Opie was going to eat. And so I had to kind of, I was like, I can't afford this. I can't, we can't. Um, so is there anything else? So, we, you know, then he comes and, and they show, hey, you know what? I do have this one game so he was, that he played with me. Mm-hmm. I remember Opie and Jesse and, and I played, we played twice. I love this game. This is fun. And then they started talking about, you know, these orphans and how they're endangered and everything. And I was like, well, what, what are you talking about? Right. Because, I mean, again, not being really a gamer, when I played endangered orphans for the first time, I was like, I, I didn't look to see that, you know, kid was that the kid was drowning or anything. I was just looking <laughs> at it thinking, okay, if I can do this, and I mean, there's everything I could do to keep up with, all right, okay, I have this card that affects me if I'm in the hills and I can do this. And I was like, okay. Um, and of course, at this same time, I'm the chairman of the board for the Boys and Girls Club. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and so, and I'm also in my mind's eye thinking, how do I get it on a very sellout shelf at Walmart or you know Kmart or Target or whatever? So they're like, "What are you talking about? You just played it twice." I was like, "No, I didn't. I played this other fun game, right? Not Endangered Orphans." Yeah. They say, "No, that's Endangered." I said, "Well." There's no way in hell it's going to be called endangered orphans. <laughs> That's pretty no much what he said. No yeah. way no in, hell. in hell. 
and and we've had probably it was between you, Opie, and myself. We probably had five or six like end of company kind of discussions. Right. Yeah, and yeah, I'll drag out. Like yeah, yeah, I mean, I, so, I don't so, doubt it. so Opie and Jesse are looking at each other like, "What the problem what is? What is going on?" And, and Jesse and I'm like. It will be called Endangered Orphans the day that I am no longer a part of your <laughs> when life. You crying on my cold dead hands. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. right? because I, I can't do that. And then, and then it was just a, you know, then it was it was basically a I'm out kind of a moment. Yeah. Um. And then, as most of our arguments would kind of come back around to, okay, what am I really saying here? What is the you know? And then the whole pitch about you know. Come on, I mean, what's what's so bad about the word endangered? I, what's I so bad? I couldn't about, wrap my brain around that. Yeah, was, I mean, I'm like, how about uh, not so something children, whatever? Because <laughs> I made the, the joke. It was not like we're calling it killing parentless children. You know, <laughs> that's right. exactly what yeah. you said. Yeah, and, and that's which ended up carrying over later. I was like, right, it's these aren't bad words. You know, it's a Tarzan, Luke Skywalker. You know, it, it's sure. James Bond, Harry Potter. These are all endangered orphans. But I just, I was so, I, I just, I could not get my, you know. Because I want to hear the name. It's so. It's so not an issue. It, yeah, just now it just sounds like another title. So so we worked on the Kickstarter. It finally came around. I was like, you know what, screw it. I said, i tell you what. You can call it Endangered Orphans. But from this point forward, as far as, I will deny all involvement. <laughs> I am my site. I mean, this is the Opie and Jesse show. Yeah, I don't exist, and I was, I'm running my other companies. I'm president of the Boys and Girls Club, and I don't want to answer these questions. Absolutely, under no circumstances am I going to be a part. Well, we worked on the campaign, the Kickstarter, and everything, and then it kept dragging on, dragging on, and dragging on. And Opie was like, oh, "We got to wait, we got to wait, we got to wait." And I was like, "No," I said, "At some point, from a business side, launch it." Yeah, but we haven't done our pre-marketing. I don't care. Launch it. But we haven't done this. I don't care. Launch it. He's like, "Well." You just cost us fifty thousand dollars of the campaign, right there. Like, fine. <laughs> I don't care. Least, Lord, I would rather yeah. earn ten dollars at this point. Yeah. At this point, because I mean, it's been nothing but just money after money after money. I said, then you know, because I mean, it's a it's a bird in the hand, two in the bush kind of a situation. Yeah. I said go. So we launched it on August, I think twenty third, and. Next thing you know, thank mm-hmm. God it was named Endangered Orphans. <laughs> People are like hitting pledge, not yeah. having any idea what they're pledging for. Because, I mean, our videos were a little bit more vague and just kind of tongue-in-cheek about the, hey, whatever you do, don't buy this game. And Opie nailed the marketing on that. Right. I'm so proud of what he did there. And, and and we didn't really know what to expect, right? Well, we, so, we turned it, it was from, you could only save one, was our logo, our theme. Yeah. yeah. Th- it was a three-player game at this point, and the so, backers twisted into two dead orphans in every box. Right. And we're like, whoa! You know, and, yeah. that, and that and, just was all, it, all she wrote. But, the, but and that kind of became the life of our, we run our Kickstarters, is because it was it's a very organic situation. So this thing started to, I mean, we, we had a $4,097 funding goal the first day. I mean, first, for that whole campaign. We thought, maybe if we can... We can fund, that'd be great. Um, and I think we funded the first day. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, we're, I mean, uh, again, no marketing at all. Right. Just lucky saps at this point. And, and then it was probably a few days into it, the son of a bitch steals my pants or something. <laughs> and know, next thing you know, know, 
you know, Opie's on there. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're not a part of this. So Rick did this, and all the, it's like, and then he completely threw me to the wolves on this campaign, and I'm at. There's no denying it at this point, right? And and I'm like freaking out because <laughs> I'm just supposed to be this little silent partner guy, yeah. And um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying my best to just survive the day, um, and but then it became, you know, of course. You know, throat punch Thursdays mm-hmm. and <clears throat> everything to hate Rick. Yep, which I get. Which is still, <laughs> <laughs> but that in orphans is where I was introduced to Anthony traditionally, because we had these little standees. Sorry about my cough. No, you're good. <clears throat> we had um, these standees that we were going to do. And then we had this. We got what thirty thousand dollars. Something like that. And then it was like call Anthony. Yeah. We need to do pawns. So that's what that's what I wanted to kind of you know. Then that's when we started to learn about the brilliance that is coffee, right? Because Anthony, you do a lot of three D sculpting and everything like that. And people who are familiar with our current uh, games D six and everything like that, there is a very three D modeled aspect to every single game. So. How did you get roped into doing all this? Uh, we the, tricked them. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. At the time, I was dabbling in ZBrush and 3D, and I've always enjoyed sculpting, but I was never. It was always a hobby. Uh, and then they they called me and was saying, "Could you sculpt the pawns for us?" And you know, it's at this point I was thinking, "Can I?" <laughs> so I, you know, it, it was literally just that. It was like, okay, I can try. What all do you you need? Like, what is what do I have to do? And it's just just sculpt it out and then render out. Give us whatever you know files the factory needs. Well, we so, didn't know what we were asking for. Well, yeah, right. yeah. You well, knew you knew more than I did. At that we point. we had worked together at that point for years, and and it was able to tap into that to say, Anthony, use your artistic license, make it cool that you think it's cool, and we're gonna, everybody's gonna love it, and he just kind of went to town, because the first one was just those little balloon-headed things before you really... Well, the first one was just a generic one that was supposed to be one pawn for all of them, and Mm -hmm. then whatever happened Mm -hmm. in the campaign, it was individual ones, so then at that point, it was, okay, well, now you gotta sculpt to three of them, Uh, and then I think it, it was actually four. Right. Yeah. yeah. Then we had to add the boogeyman. The, the boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah, and then the boogeyman, but we had, we had some help with that one. Michael Schubach. Uh, yeah. So, I, but that that's really all it was. It was just a phone call. Said, hey, we're running this Kickstarter thing. He's like, okay, yeah, I've been watching. And then it's like, now we need sculpted figures. <coughs> I was like, uh, okay, I I can try. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think I was just their easiest initial option like had had i he was our best face, option you know, the had i fallen option. on my face they would have yeah, you contacted can... some other freelancer <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> well but i mean now now i'm gonna probably piss jeffy jesse off here but no it was it was the only option for us yeah as far as jesse was concerned because especially when you're talking about bringing your art his concept, his design. There was only one person on this earth that I heard him ever mention could mm-hmm. do it, and that was Anthony. Yeah, because I mean there was a trust, and he, that's big. He knew that he knew that Anthony wouldn't accept the job if he wasn't going to really do everything he could to make it awesome. And you know, and and sure enough, he did. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know the the and thing this about... was all just based on a freelance basis, right? I mean, I don't even know if we ever 
you know, actually paid you for it. Uh, did we pay you for it? That's a good that? point. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't think we did. We didn't, no, we didn't pay him for his originals. But when we got to the minis with the boys and girls, like the actual upgrade, we did those. But it probably was... Yeah, it wasn't worth... It was, it was certainly worth more worth, than it was yeah. actually yeah. done, no matter what we paid him. Right. And that's, you know, you bring up a good point about the Kickstarter is from the very beginning, uh, Certifiable has amassed a rabid following that very much has at times altered the flow of a lot of these Kickstarter campaigns just with their ideas and what their want of something so bad that you guys started saying, all right, if you're pledging this much, we're going to start taking stuff away. We're not going to give you things for this and this. So how did that kind of come about? They're the pulse. Yeah. It's that easy. It's We, we kind of build the sandbox and they play in it, but they... They are the pulse of the campaign, so we can't. We have to be real organic. We can't try. It's like trying to make something um, viral. You right. Just, you can't yeah, you do can't. it. So we will come up with ideas, and that's how we'll base the the theme of our campaigns. But they're the ones that do all the inside jokes, and then the ongoing uh, comments that they make, and the running gags, and all that. That's all them. And we, because we have some that are fanatic, and we yes. we we need those. You know, they're they do more Q&A than we do and they know they bring to light things that we need to know and they're just great well not only that but they you know they answer questions that we at one point probably couldn't have even answered ourselves right and I mean it it really is they're incredible yeah and thanks to them and just the way that it kind of the the relationship that we ended up having throughout the campaign which was a 45 day campaign Mm -hmm. which was Brutal. So long. <laughs> but I mean it didn't feel that it didn't feel that bad. I mean, I mean you were one of our first backers. Yep. You know, and 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 then you continue to do our social like, mm-hmm. Twitter and Just Instagram because. And stuff for nothing for not even very many thanks from us <laughs> for for years. And, yeah, because uh, I'd I'd worked the first time I worked with Jesse was on a campaign for a local hunting and sporting goods uh-huh. company that we were you know, for a week and some days, all oh, stuffed right. you were the in. Moose. We were stuffed in he these was the coyote. huge oh, God, costumes yeah. that were hot and sweaty, doing an office parody for hunting sporting goods, which was great. But unfortunately, due to other fanatics, uh, never really saw the light of day. But I'd always had a working relationship with mm-hmm. you with Jesse, and I met Anthony a few times on the con circuit. Um, and yeah, that's why. I, I, to kind of bring it all around, that's that's why I, that's why a lot of people supported Certifiable when it came onto the market, because we know the quality, we know the heart behind it, and it's just something fun. He pointed to me when he said heart. I know. I, I just think it wildly. I could have been pointing to anybody. I used both hands. I'll take quality. It's all right. The quality, the heart. <laughs> the heart, whatever yeah. you like. You know what? The hearty quality. <laughs> but what's what then throughout the campaign because again we started off in Ninja Orphans as a two to three player. Yes. And it was one of those situations where um it was a it's not a four player game, it's not a one player game. You know, but you have this guy in my chair who Rick said the hey, hell it isn't. I'm thinking, are you sure it can't be a four player <laughs> right. game? Are you sure it can't be a solo game? You know, and I'm sitting there completely breaking all my rules because to me it's like, no, it's a two to three player game. Period of the end. Yeah, uh, but in, in, you know because a lot of uh, it's been a really battle for me because a lot of Jesse's decisions when he says 
it can't be. What it's hard for me to digest sometimes because when I heard him say it can't be a four player game, I'm thinking there's no reason why it can't be a four player game. Can it? And <laughs> and but he's like, but that'll make it a longer game than I want to play. Right. So from the very beginning, I said, look, Jesse, I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do. But but. <laughs> Are you sure? Because we got a lot of people. They got four players. We're going to lose a lot of money if we don't get that. You know, then, you know, then it was Cave. You know, yeah. and, and he did that one for me. And then the solo mod, Brian Thompson, mm-hmm. um, handled that rule from afar. He worked with Anthony. Right. And uh, just, we thought he did a great job with that. For what he had to work with. Because and then, it was and then after words. the success of Orphans. Uh, we did like three hundred and fifty-five thousand on on the Kickstarter. Of course, you know the misnomer there is. I mean, where is that money? Oh, by the way, we have to produce the game. We yeah, have to ship it. All of the shipping. But was as in you that said, one. going from a original four thousand want to a three hundred thousand get. Yeah. All well, really... we didn't. Well, we didn't want. We didn't know what to expect. Yeah, like, exactly. we didn't know if we were going to fund at four thousand ninety-seven dollars. Yeah. And so then um, the idea of you know, Brian would come over on weekends every once in a while and work with Jesse on some stuff on Ash, and uh, that game that started the company that hasn't yet <laughs> that hasn't seen the light of day. And uh, and then we decided to you know extend an offer to say you know Brian would you be interested in coming working here full time? Now obviously I can only imagine what the conversations were in Dallas between Anthony and Brian at that point. Right. But this whole time we were really excited about getting Brian here. And then Jesse came to me, he's like, Anthony said something to me. He said, but I don't really know how to read it. Because he started to ask a question that's very un-Anthony-like. I said, well, it sounds like there might be something to talk about there. He's like, no, no, this is Anthony. No, there's no way. <laughs> he's got it too good. <laughs> there's no way. Number one, we can't afford him. Right. Number two, I mean, that would just, it just there's just something weird. I mean, because, I mean, I just... I mean, I just can't imagine Anthony giving up what he's got to come here to work with us. I mean, yeah. Us. <laughs> right. Band of like, misfits. You know, so. I can't believe I would wake up every day feeling so guilty because of, like, he's, he's got a good job. And I'm like, this is right. a fun job, but it's not, but, yeah. it's not what it is. You know, it's not that. It's because, not I mean, we just, I mean, we're just fresh off of our first pseudo success. Sure. Not even knowing how successful it really was. Right. Because, oh, by the way, we saw a lot of stuff to right, do. Right, still there's a lot of legwork that you right. hadn't even done yet. And, uh, of course, I didn't know Anthony, so I kept encouraging. I was like, no, 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 I mean, look, it's his decision. He's an adult. He's smart. He can figure this out. And um, But Jesse just had this cake <laughs> looming. <laughs> right. You know, it was just really, it, it, was, it was weird to see. And it, what, what it was is it's just... You know, how was it? Would I be his boss? Would he be my boss? <laughs> I mean, what's going on here? Right. Because I mean, it was just you know you could tell. Yeah, so I can I can understand. This is weird, but there was weird. also that whole respect of. I mean, if there's one guy that I would want here, I mean, Anthony is just amazing. Yeah, but we're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> kind of a feel, right? And uh, luckily, he and Brian both came on at the same time. Yeah, and uh, and it and, and it's. It completely made us just so much better. Absolutely. Well, I think you know when when you think of a certifiable game, 
uh, artwork comes to mind, the the fun of the campaign, but also the overall look, you know, the videos that we produce, things like that with your background and, and film and, and television and everything, and the ability to have places like iVox be able to uh, use a lot of the equipment there, the production value of certifiable as a brand is so much higher than even a lot of these these uh, top tier game companies. Uh, now, but I mean, and I think the, what's interesting about you saying that, and I want to I want to be careful there because sure. at the time of Orphans, I'd be like, "You're right," you know. But I have to admit, I mean, there's some there's some really great work out there. Oh, absolutely, now, you know. But I mean, you know, and 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 I don't know if. You know, of course, I would like to say, "Hey, look what we started!" But I mean, I know that's nonsense too. But still, it's kind of at the time, you know. And a lot of it's Opie's. You know, you know, he he had a really great vision for mm-hmm. a lot of that, and um, and then we kind of carried it forward. And then, and then of course, I had the issue with after Anthony comes on, they work on who goes there for you know forever, um, and then we finally kickstart who goes there. You know, there was this. Okay, what are we going to do? Because, you know, part of me wanted to, like, okay, we can't say don't buy who goes there, but that was an orphan's right. thing. And, and Jessica's like, it's a different thing. I mean, it's a different world. And, you know, but trying to relearn what is our voice on sure. each one of these campaigns. Sure, I think we realize our backers are our voice. Very backers much so. Voice. Oh, if we go in there saying this one, we're going to be all like this, you know, it's like, no, they'll they'll. They mold our campaigns, and we roll with it. And it's just—it's a great relationship that yeah. we have between our company as a character, and, and, and also who support it. Yeah, being in the being in the commentary section of the Kickstarter campaigns, where everything just expands and stresses out all the areas. They, we can, you can say something very offhand and say, "Oh, well, we're just going to give you this." And they're like, "No, we want more." Okay, well, we can give you this. No, we want more than that. Okay, we'll give you a box of Mississippi Air. Great, we'll take it. You know, there's there's a lot of things that you guys have offered very tongue-in-cheek that they were they But then we had shipping issues, and people don't believe that we actually put it in there. Put the air in there. We had to send it Fake to news. China yeah. to put in each cost box, us, which cost us all the profit. Yep. 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 <laughs> but the, yes, the, the, the people behind the games... But you much. also have... So for all of the backers and the the cove influenced backers that we have we've also had a few that were felt a little more entitled to, sure. to having their opinions sure. being honored but they they're not sticking around with us but and that was one of those things it's like it's one thing to put out a lot of hey how about this how about that and respect the decision mm-hmm. another thing to hey i need this and i want this and because I asked for it, I deserve right. the you know, well, Yeah, we did. We had, we had a backer. You say that. We had a backer say what he thought it should be. Yeah. And this is after the game is done. Like, this is, right. you know, it's on Kickstarter saying, like, this is, so what he thought, it really thought it should be like this instead, which is a complete redo. Right. And we're like, thanks, but, but you know, this is the we game. Got it. They yeah. went, yeah, they went, got a bash saying, these guys don't take, they don't listen. Why <laughs> are you serious? It, it, yeah, then yeah. it becomes a, then, then of course, he can't just say we don't listen. He has to go on Board Game Geek sure. and talk about how awful of a company we are. Well, you're going to get that. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah, with the internet culture as a yeah. whole, sadly, just because you have a voice doesn't always mean that you should be heard. But, I mean, even during Who Goes There, um, 
Mondo comes out with a thing board game. They came out with it. We knew they were coming out, out with it while we were on our final stages. Right. But there was no way we could have got it out first because well, we had just heard. The, oh, I think it was Anthony told me. Like, whatever it was, a month. They're going to they're gonna be releasing it in a month and a half. And See, this is before, before Anthony and right. Brian even came on board. You know, Jesse, and, and, and most of my... I get excited when these guys get excited. Sure. You know, I mean, because I read them. I mean, I, I watch, and then, of course, Jesse gets excited about a lot of stuff. So I get excited a lot. Then I stay excited. Then he comes back in. And he's like, oh, that was so yesterday. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're, you're, it's a roller coaster for me. But it was in November of, before, it was after Orphans in November, Jesse shared with me the idea that he had for Who Goes There. Of course, I wasn't familiar with what Who Goes There was, and I wasn't even that familiar with the thing at that point. Um, I've seen it, but it wasn't one of those movies that I was, I was right. not the fanboy on it. Right. And he told me about this great idea and he said, I know we'll never get the property on it. So, but maybe we can, I think that there's something there. Um, and then that's where, you know, I did what I was supposed to do, which exactly. I kind of reached out and actually did get the rights to the book. Um, and I remember I was driving up to Memphis, I believe that day. And I called Jesse and said, guess what? You know, it's a really exciting time. Um, and then he was like, all right, let's announce it. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. We got to get more involved. We got to, we need a plan. We have to wait. Just keep it hush, hush. Work on it. <laughs> hush, hush. Yeah. No. Nope. Two months later, Mondo yeah. and, and Jesse's just thinking. You son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we could have told people two months ago. We could have we could have we had it out of could have owned the you know you know, but you know, we still don't you know, it and it was and it of course meant a lot more to us. I mean Mondo sure. got Universal's the thing. Yes. We got the original story, but not as popular because I mean it's based on or it because it pretty much was who goes there. Yeah. So that was one of those times that I just you know I had to apologize to Jesse and say, look, sorry, but I just didn't think we were ready to announce it. I didn't see the point in announcing it. Sure. And, of course, now we wish we had. I don't know if it would have really affected It didn't yeah, matter. It's like, but it felt dirty at the time. It felt like it we felt were once like, again oh, chasing somebody over. else. Yeah. You know, because we didn't want to release the game. Then I was like, oh, this is a lot like that. It's mm-hmm. like, no, it's totally not that game at all. Matter of fact, to the degree that we could, we wanted to make sure there was nothing like that game. Right. And, we, and it's really not. No, it's not. Absolutely. I've, I've played both. So I can, Minus I can thematic, to that. there's absolutely no similarities. Yeah. And um, No more than any other game that are unthematic. You know, but that was a natural thing. I mean, because the pitch that, you know, came out to, you know, to me originally, we're talking about how this could work, you know, because, of course, I'm, I've just always been, my favorite part of Who Goes There is the fact that we all start as human. Yes, and and the fact that you could still end all as human, I just love that aspect. There's, there, yeah, there's a lot of really fun aspects to it. Um, endangered orphans, who goes there? Stuffed was seems like it was a fairly quick turnaround with that one. How did that stuff was pitched to me before we before endangered orphans? Really, was it? I yeah. just don't remember. It might have been. I, it was. Uh, it wasn't stuffed. It was uh, free to roam originally. Mm-hmm. It, it had some mechanical changes, but you were all. Trying to build your wall to stop this, these Roman esque modern day soldiers who are really cute, chibi type Romans with like Uzis and you know, it's like, <laughs> right. And I've always liked the concept and I might, you know, I like the skin. Um, but it was you were gathering instead of 
players, you are gathering parts of your wall. So if I want this tower or this catapult, I'd roll the combination and get it. But now that I got it, I could actually remove parts of your wall by making this combination. And that was what it was. And I like the idea, but now it's evolved into stuff. It's too close to stuff to go back and do it. So it was like one or the other. But it was that was an overnight idea of, I mean, there's nothing to, there's no brilliance or aha moment in it. It's just you roll dice. You get combinations. Those combinations allow you to alter dice. Alter dice can then win you the game. It's that's it in a nutshell. So, but still, it, again, it's one of those things where, with the artwork that you and Anthony create, with the mechanics, with the presentation through the Kickstarter, people went pretty big for it. It was fun, and I think that's one of the things that I've always enjoyed about Certifiable is the overall combination of everything involved from the the audience to the art to the presentation um it all f- always feels very cohesive there's it's never disjointed in the production even though things are constantly changing in the background people don't get a chance to, a lot to see that or to know about some of the well see and all throughout the, the stuff time you know so anthony came on and number one is he kind of finished the production on endangered orphans sure yeah, y'all um, were mid. Y'all were setting up files for the factory when Brian and I came on. Oh, uh, yeah. So God, because so they, they walked the into the nightmare that was Endangered Orphans because we right. didn't know what we were doing. And so, it was just a, so a handful. thank God they were here to kind of get that going. And then Anthony went right into Who Goes There mm-hmm. and pretty much never got out of the Who Goes There world for another year. Yeah, I, I wasn't really a whole big part of the stuff campaign. Right, so so it became and it got it, which excited me because I mean Anthony took the the lead on who goes there, and while Jesse was able to do stuffed, and then uh, you know then D six we were around. moving in the same direction with two different properties. It was nice. Yeah, yeah, and now we've got D six, mm-hmm. which the campaign was another big success. But now this was d6 was a little bit different with the kickstarter because you guys were able to say listen this is going to be about a whole other year before you're able to get it because of all the intensity work that's gone into it from the sculpts to the rule books to everything like that what made you want because people often think of who goes there as a big complex game it is a big game it's it's a gamer's It's, it's a gamer's game d6 is a gamer's game as well but also loosely based around you know, Dungeons and Dragons, the RPG. What made you guys decide that that was going to be the next game to go after? Um, I think it's the stage that it was in. I, I just, I don't think we had anything else. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we you started off. One of the things that I wanted to do was to rekindle the endangered orphans. Okay. You know, side of things. Yeah. So Jesse came to me with an idea to oh, yeah. do. It's like, well, endangered heroes. Endangered heroes, which would be like, okay, well, what do the orphans play? Right. You know, because a lot of a lot of everything, you know, the you know, like Kitty Corner is Jesse's childhood nursery. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, a little where we used to go to babysit was Kitty Corner, and it's just so weird because growing up, Kitty Corner was an awful. It just it was like tr- that smell of, that triggers things. Oh it yeah. Was, that sound, the sound, the word Kitty Corner was awful. Yeah. It was a place I hated to go. My mom knew I hated to go there, so it was a last effort thing. If nothing else panned out, and um, and now it's kind of great because when I hear Kitty Corner, it has diluted 
the emotion that I feel hearing it. Okay. Now it no longer, and it did. If I was a, a grown man, and I would still think of that name, and it just sure, you know, There's it was just there. really bad, yeah. bad memories there. And uh, and now I hear the word Kitty Corner, and it's Boogeyman's house, but in a right. in a comical, cute way, and it's just funny how that works. If death is cute. If death is cute. If killing endangered parentless children is. But I remember having a conversation with you when I came up here one day, and you're like, hey, I know you like D&D. Let me run this idea by you. And you kind of gave me some the basics of what came into D6. So I thought, yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea, especially with the resurgence of D&D as it has been. Gateway and game. Oh, and that yeah. was the thing that... So with Endangered Heroes, which I love the idea, um, but I had told Jesse the story... About my childhood, you know, I wanted to be a D and D, you know, fanatic. Right. Bad. And we were broke, 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 to the degree that I didn't even know at the point. My mom hit it, and uh, I begged her for Dungeons and Dragons, and um, and that wasn't really cheap with those manuals and everything. Yeah, yeah it was an expensive game, and uh, I'm not sure. You know, my birthday, I got Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And it was just, oh my gosh. And, and I loved reading the manual. I loved going and going and just the fantasy of, of looking sure. through and imagining all of these characters and, and beasts. And to this day, I've never Still haven't played, played, it. played Dungeons and Dragons. We gotta fix that sometime, Rick. <laughs> I'm not so sure we do. <laughs> because then honestly, you won't be able to tell that story. Right. Well, well, but I mean, to this... In the sense that, I mean, I've seen the commitment that it takes. I don't know. I'm an old man now. I don't sure. know if I have that kind of, <laughs> I don't know if I have that many breaths left. Yeah. I mean, that's too much tension. But but uh, Jesse kind of started to spin it a little bit, and and, um, and it excited me. Because, honestly, D6 is much more the game that I thought that I was asking for back mm-hmm. then. I just did it in the friend group. Sure. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I didn't have. I didn't know what I was getting, and um, and it's and I've I've always I've I've lived with that guilt, you know, knowing that it was basically wasting money. Sure. Um, and is D six exactly what I thought it was going to be? No. I mean, from the from back when I was a kid, no. But it's but it always it, it is one of those things that is kind of it's engaging to it's you. Still, it still inspires me. Yeah. Um. So, absolutely. So we're in the middle of D six right now. We also do first Fridays up here, which is a great way to have the gaming community know that Certifiable's here and to get involved with it. And those are so much fun to be around because people come up, they bring their board games. We have a ton of board games here that people are able to uh, play. Yeah, we have and... a lot. We we have we backed a lot of Kickstarter. I was about to say, you guys have backed a lot of That is what started our first Friday. Uh, there was we because at that point I think we were just having a game night because it wasn't a first Friday then. And and two of our more dedicated um, say local local you know people uh, were up here and and you know the group started winding down. It was just them too, and was like we got to do this again because we had ended up opening up a game that. We got, there's no less than probably 20 games we have that the cellophane isn't even busted. Sure, yeah. We just, we can't. And, and there's even more than that that we we have bought because we're excited about it or because people have mailed them to us, whatever the case is. We haven't opened them all. And we said we need to have, and let's not be, you know, unrealistic would be every Friday. Let's right. one Friday a month 
or some of them we open we, simply because we want to see. I want to see that mini. I want to see how they package it. I want to see the I want to see the insert and how they packed it together. <laughs> completely. Sure. You, know, it's like, you look at everything different. <laughs> yeah. We say you know you could either play games or you could make them, but you can't do both, and it's. So true, but Anthony and I were kind of running out of excuses of because we'd have people. This is what we do, and we'd have people coming up to us. Oh my God, have y'all played third edition of so and so? And I'm like, I haven't even heard of th- the first edition. What are you talking right. about? And you feel like an idiot. You feel like the biggest poser. And uh, so the first Friday is a way that we stop working and we play. We enjoy. We remember why we do this, and then we learn and we see. God, I love that mechanic. Exactly. And all of this is the game everybody's talking about. Like how we just played Secret Hitler for the first time, <laughs> right? Last first Friday. It's a you great know, which game. is ridiculous yeah. that that it took me that long to play. And then Anthony and I were playing Pandemic for, I mean, days uh, for our our lunch and our, our breakfast or whatever. We had our coffee meal. You know, we we'd set up the board game in the kitchen. We'd drink coffee. We'd play Pandemic, and then we'd go back to work. And it was it's just a, a fun way to reconnect with what it is. That you're passionate about, and uh, so First Fridays is a great way to do it. We had somebody travel this last one for hours, Atlanta, yeah, yeah. to come yeah. and didn't announce, just kind of showed up. Huge fan, and I'm like oh, that's awesome. They're coming back, they're coming back. Yeah, and, the uh, one, yeah, so yeah, we've had them travel as far as from Amsterdam. So it's really, right, really true. cool that when you get somebody and they they see the videos and they yeah, they know who we are and it's just it's really surreal and yeah. you walk around, oh I know this room oh there's the cat oh there's the so and so it's just really really neat so yeah first Fridays is a way to have fun again yeah right? so it's important and I and I thought you know along with having fun that's kind of the reason I wanted to start this podcast is so that people had a bit more of a behind the scenes of something that they already enjoy something that they're already passionate about i wanted them to be able to know a bit about the people behind it more so than the surface social media that we allow them to see so i mean this podcast is going to be very much crafted by the people if you have questions uh send them in through facebook we also i'll give you more of the information on the posts we're going to try and do this you know like once a month we're going to answer questions but we're also going to talk to a lot of people that we have uh, relationships with other artists, other board game creators, and just find out more about this community, what makes this community uh, stick so well. So I just wanted to give you guys, the audience, a chance to kind of hear the story of the history of Certifiable, and that's just that's just a tip of it. We really didn't delve deep into a lot of the issues or a lot of the triumphs that we had with a we lot of this. Here? <laughs> we got subscriptions, Rick. We don't have issues. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Stay tuned because there's going to be more to come. But Rick, Anthony, Jesse, thank you guys for appearing this morning. We're going to see and hear more from you guys and a lot of the other people in the uh, Certifiable Studios. But until next time, we'll catch you guys later. Peace. <laughs>